anyone that wants one? And if anyone didn't get a bulletin for the month of December, those are out. There's everything listed for the upcoming month, and so get a copy of that if you didn't get it. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter 12. And uh, last week we covered verses 3 through verse number 8. And we talked about thinking about the body of Christ and thinking about the local church and how we minister and how we should not think too highly of ourselves. And then when we think too little of ourselves, we're still thinking about ourselves. And that's a problem when we do that. I sent out a text message during the week, and I said that if you didn't come on Sunday, it would be great for you to listen. And if you're a part of our church and you're watching tonight or you're here and you didn't listen to last Sunday night's message, take a little bit of time and go back and listen to the message. It's one of those things our church needs chapter number 12 in our lives and we need to pick up on some of these things because at some point if we don't pick up on some of these truths and some of these points I guess I'll just have to start blatantly saying hey that was for you and that was for you and that was for you and that was for me and then we'll take care of everybody because we all have things we need to work on but our the body the local body that Christ has given to us we've got to be very careful with it and protect it and do what God's called us to do. And tonight, it goes even deeper. And tonight, I want you to pay attention, and there's something for everybody in tonight's message. We continue on from verse number one. We remember how Paul said here, um, verse number one of this chapter, he said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, they present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable servant. And we see how we should act we shouldn't be conformed we shouldn't let this world press us into its mold but we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind as we spend time in the word of god and in prayer with the lord in our walk with god that we may prove that we prove that god's will has been tried and tested in our lives that's good acceptable and perfect in our lives so we looked at thinking about the believer and what Paul urges the believer in light of everything the Lord has done for us in chapters 1 through 11. We saw last week in verse number 3 through verse number 9, we see how Paul mentions and how we need to think about the body and our place in the body. And tonight, our bodies, if, you're sitting, if you showed up here tonight and there's no pain in your body and you walked in here and you feel good, what that says is your body is working properly tonight. And that is how the local church is supposed to function. The local church is to be a body. It has different parts. Christ is the head of the church. He is the head. He is the direction of the church, the body. But as we look at that, each of us has our part in the body. And if hands want to go touch that sign-up sheet, but my head and my eyes look at the sign back there and want to go back there, and my feet say, I'm not going anywhere. I can't really go do anything, right? My body has to agree together to walk over and pick up the sign-up sheet. That's how the local church, the local body is supposed to function. Each of us has been given special talents, gifts from God, and they're all to be used for His honor and for His glory. And our gifts are to be used within the confounds of the local church God has placed us in. So tonight, if you are here, if this is your church and God has placed you here, then this is the place you need to be. If God hasn't placed you here and you decide to be here yourself, 
would make sure that's where God wants you to be. If this is the church God wants you in, then let me help you out tonight. Then you have gifts and talents and abilities that God's given you that are supposed to be used within the local church that you're in. And for you not to use your talents and abilities is like part of your body saying, I'm just not going to work right now. The kneecap saying, you know what? I don't feel like doing anything right now. Can't do a lot with a, with a knee that doesn't work. Some of you have experienced that. And so the church functions as a body. Paul goes a little deeper tonight about the brethren, thinking about how we interact with one another. And we need this tonight. This is good for us. Look at verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another not slothful in business fervent in spirit serving the lord rejoicing in hope patient in tribulation continuing instant in prayer distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality bless them which persecute you let's read that again bless them which persecute you bless and curse not Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, with just the people you like. Live peaceably with those who have the same mannerisms as you and don't get you upset. What does it say there? As much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. You say, well, it says if it be possible. And pastor, it's not possible. If you're a child of God and the Spirit of God dwells inside of you, I hate to break it to you, it's possible. All things are possible, right? With God, all things. But pastor, I could not. You can. You just don't want to. And you wait till the beginning of the year. I've got a message I've been working on. I'm going to preach about the Holy Spirit and our need for the Holy Spirit. And you, hopefully you'll be ready for it when the time comes. Verse 19. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, now shall he coals of fire on his head. You're like, sweet. So my enemy, I'm going to give them food. I'm going to give them water because I'm going to heap coals of fire on their... You're, miss you're missing the whole point. You don't do it to retaliate or to make them feel bad. You do what is right because it's right to do. And verse 21 ties it all together. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Father, bless the next few minutes that we have tonight. And I pray that you would help us, guide us tonight. I believe this is a message that our church needs in our interactions with one another, our dealings with one another. I pray that you would help us, guide us tonight. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
These verses here are filled with challenges for the child of God to live together before the Lord and before the world and how to be a God-honoring family. You've got to understand something. All of us that are children of God, we are family. Like it or not, if you're saved tonight, we be, we be family. You might not like me being part of your family, but guess what? We are, and there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, the problem is, most of God's family acts like heathen regular families in how they interact with one another. And God's children are not supposed to act that way. You see, if we take these verses tonight, and if we heed them and we practice them, it will revolutionize the average Christian tonight. There are three basic thoughts, and I want to dive right in so we get through all of them. Number one, as we go through, we see our actions towards the brethren. How do we interact with our family? How should we interact with our family? What are the things the Bible says? Well, what act should I display towards the brethren? So tonight as we look at this, these are the actions that you should display to your fellow church members, to other brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what this is talking about. Our actions towards the brethren. Letter A, as we dive in, we see our social actions. These, th these make us a pleasure to live with. This makes us not be a pain in everybody's side and people not want to deal with us if we learn to do some of these actions that we see tonight in the scripture. Number one, as we look at our actions towards the brother, number one, we see be honest. Verse number nine says, let love be without dissimulation. We are to love the brethren with an honest love that knows no pretense. It's to be genuine, the love we have for one another. It's not supposed to be fake. Oh, I love my church family. I love them. I care about them. And then someone has a problem, you're like, go tell someone who cares. That's not love. Our love for one another is supposed to be genuine. Just like Christ's love is for us. Let love be without dissimulation. We see this right here. It needs to be genuine. And it shouldn't be, well, I love them if they're good to me. Or I love them if they do these things or if they treat me a certain way. No, you're supposed to love them with no, nothing behind, no reason not. You just do it. Does Christ love you? Does he love you tonight? Some of you are like, I don't know if you're sure. He does. He loves you. Even if you're Lori tonight, he still loves you. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Smile a little bit. It's okay. He loves you tonight. He loves you with every fault, every failure you've ever done, everything. He loves you. Nothing changes his love. Let's be honest. Do we ever irritate God? I'm sure we do. And I know some of you might say, well, I never irritate you. Are, you are, you're full of it. You do irritate God. I'm sure we all do at times. Do we irritate one another? Yeah, and so you're like, you irritate me too. I know, it's fine. That's all good. But even if, you get, even if you're irritated, you're supposed to love, and it's supposed to be a genuine love. There's supposed to be among God's people a genuine love 
that is different than what this world has to offer. That's where people, how do are we going to know that we love God? By if my disciples love one another. Let love be without dissimulation. Our social actions begin with being honest. Number two, with being loving. Verse number 10, the beginning says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. Again, we are to love one another with a faithful devotion. And this kind of love referred to here can only be found in the closest of families. And sometimes families might not all get along, but hey, you say something bad about my sister, and we're going to have it out right here. There's supposed to be a tight love among Christians with each other. We're to be loving. And I'm not talking about, oh, you need to go hug everybody and give them a holy kiss on the cheek. That's not what I'm talking about. Love is an action word. And we should love one another as God's children. What are some of the actions that we see here? We need to be honest. We need to be loving. Number three tonight, we need to be humble. Look at the rest of verse number 10. It says, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love. And look at this phrase, in honor preferring one another. We are commanded here to put others ahead of ourselves. Do you see that right there? It's amazing to me and shameful what God's people will do just to get their own way. And God says that's not how it's supposed to be. It's not about getting your way. In honor, preferring one another. But if I don't get it my way, then I'm not going to do it. How many times have I heard that in 11 years? It's okay. We'll do it your way. In honor, preferring one another. Humility. It matters. It's important. God's way is that we seek our brother's best in every situation. And when we put others first, God will take care of you as well. If you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and I think that includes how you treat others, all these things shall be added unto you. That's not a stretch of scripture, that's Bible. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You know, if your idea with this Christmas thing is, oh, I wonder what someone's going to get, you're missing the whole point. The whole point is for you to do something for someone else. My kids, I'm trying, one of the things they do around Christmas, they take the bottles and cans from the year and we go recycle them and whatever money comes in, they split amongst themselves and they get each other a present and they draw names, whatever the case may be. And William's big thing this year is, yes, we got $25. That means someone's going to get me a gift worth $25. It's like, that's not what it's about. It should be you get to give a gift that is $25 to someone, not what you get in return. The problem with Christianity today, the problem in most churches, we are not concerned about everyone else and their well-being. We're concerned with number uno. And if I'm not happy... It goes to, it goes to, what are we having for dinner? Oh, we're having spaghetti. I don't even like spaghetti. Then stay home and don't come. 
No, how about this? How about you get out of your shell and get off of yourself and show up and be nice to someone that doesn't have anybody to spend Christmas with and be here that night? That's what we do. Say, but I, I just don't like the food. Who cares? Go eat afterwards. You can eat whatever you want to afterwards. If you, I don't come to church functions for the food. In fact, most of the time I preach after we eat, and I don't eat before I preach most of the time. I don't go and look, well, I'll, I'll decide based on what we're having. Or I'll come based on who's coming. Oh, that person. I'm not going because they're going to show up. They're going to come sit by me, and they're going to talk to me the whole time. And Maybe they need someone to talk to. Maybe if you got off of yourself for a little bit of time and you heard someone's story, they wouldn't be so annoying to you because you could see what they've been through in their life and what they need. It's amazing what happens when you get the focus off yourself and you focus on other people. Your life could be a lot happier. A lot of people, you know why Scrooge was so during Christmas time? Because he was focused on himself and his business. And he lost sight of everything else. So, be loving, be humble. Number four, be diligent. The end of verse number 10 says, or actually verse number 11, it says, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. In our dealings with others, we're not to be slow or lazy. Paul is speaking about our duty to our business associates, but this could go to whatever area of life you want to call it. Whatever we do, do heartily as unto the Lord, not to men. Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. And something that's very interesting about this, where it says not slothful in business, that word slothful, ha- it carries the idea of someone being hard to deal with. Don't be the Christian that can't, that's so hard to deal with that wants to deal with you. That's really what this is referring to right here. And there are many Christians that are very hard to deal with. Don't be that Christian. That's not how our actions should be displayed with our fellow believers in the Lord. Be honest. Be loving. Be humble. Be diligent. Number five, be helpful. Verse 13 says, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. Be helpful. What do we mean by being helpful here? The idea of this phrase is that we enter into the burdens of our fellow believers. When, think about this, we are able to help them as their needs arise. It says distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. Most Christians don't want to be bothered. I have Let's be honest tonight. Everyone does have their own problems. We all do. And you might say, well, so-and-so are not as bad as my problems. Because once again, your Your problems might not be as big as someone else's problems, or they might be more, but they're your problems. They're not someone else's. They're your problems. I get that. But as we look here at this passage here, when needs arise, people need help, we are to help them. Go out of your way. There are so many times I'll be headed home after church or somewhere, 
and my phone goes off. And I just want to go sit on the couch. Uh, uh, not the couch, my chair. My chair is where I like to sit. I like my chair. Everybody should have a chair that they have, a nice reclining chair that you that's your chair. I love my chair. My kids like it too, and they're breaking it. But anyway, I know people say, someday when they're not there, you're going to wish they were there breaking your chair. I really don't think so. I don't know about that one. Other areas, yes. Other areas, yes, but not my chair. But anyways, we'll leave that one alone right there. No, I like having them sit in the chair with me. And then uh, they try to sneak in it when I'm not there. But anyways, sometimes it would be easy just to just go home, and then someone needs something. Couldn't you bother somebody else? That's how most of our actions are. Distributing to the necessity of saints. God's people need something. Where can I meet you? Where do I need to be? Doesn't matter what time, what hour. And there are many of you in this room that have had different needs at different times. You call me at odd hours and things. And I will do whatever I can to help you. And you say, well, that's because you're as a pastor. I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because we're to bear one another's burdens. I'm to be there for you, and you're to be there for me. We are there for one another. What does the Bible say, Galatians 6, 2, to bear ye one another's burdens? And so fulfill the law of Christ you got to dig in and get in and bear people's burdens with them. We see later we're to rejoice with those that rejoice and we're to weep with those that weep. It means you got to get involved in the lives of the brethren. You need to dig in and help them with their burdens. Because some people are at their breaking point where they're like, I just can't take anything else. I can't go any further. And they need their fellow brother or sister in Christ to come alongside and say, here, let me help you. We'll go to the Lord in prayer. We'll let him help us. And we'll move through this thing together. That's what people need. Sometimes people just feel like they're alone in all their burdens. And then we come to church and we're just hoping that someone will come encourage us and then everyone just stays away. And sometimes we just need someone to come along and help us carry the load. But don't be the one that's always looking for someone to carry your load either. Get your eyes off of your own load and help someone with their load. Because your load will get a little lighter when you look and see how heavy someone else's load might be. Distributing to the necessity of saints, given to hospitality. And we need to be hospitable. Someone might not smell the way you want them to smell. They should be just as welcomed in God's house as anybody else doesn't matter what money they come with doesn't matter what clothes they wear doesn't matter if they live on the streets or where they're at everyone should be welcome when they come through that door and we should be doing our best to help our fellow christians that's what paul's talking about here our actions towards one another we look next number six we need to be open be open given to hospitality instead of building this is <laughs> This is what people do. They build walls between them and everybody else. This is my space. Stay out of my space. You can have me in my space from 8 to 2. And other than that, 
you're not allowed in my face. Is that given the hospitality? When's the last time you invited a family over to have a meal at your house? I don't cook. Then when's the last time you invited them out to eat with you? When's the last time you brought someone a meal? Be open. A lot of Christians, they come to a church and they are closed off from everyone else. We need one another. That's the way God designed it to be. God did not design the Christian life for you to be alone by yourself. God designed the church to be an assembly of believers that come together and provoke one another and encourage one another to do the work of God. That's why you say sometimes, Pastor, you just bug. You bug. I know I do. And I'm going to keep bugging. And I'm not going to stop bugging. I will bug, bug, bug till I'm dead. Then I will never bug you again. Unless the Lord lets me bug you after that. If I can find a way to make it happen. I will try to bug you then. Pastor, why do you bug us to go to the Christmas party? Why do you bug us to come to the Lay's thing? Why do you bug us? Because you need to open up. And be a family. Love one another. Be big enough to be able to share your burdens with others and not have them judge you based on what comes out. And sometimes there might need to be some judgment, but we'll leave that out right now. The idea here is being open where it says given the hospitality is the idea of being available to the family of God. Some of us, if it's our immediate family, nothing comes between my family, nothing. But you have a church family. And I'm not telling you to forsake your family. You have family time, you protect it, you guard it, you do your thing. Ryan, I didn't realize last night, he was out to dinner last night. He always used the excuse it's too loud in a restaurant or something when I call. But I just think he doesn't want to talk to me. But I didn't know he was out to you with his family. I w and I told him, if I call you and you're out to you with your family, don't answer me. I'll text you if it's important. But I don't want to bug him during his family time. Protect your family time. But be open to your church family. It's amazing what could happen if God's people would follow the things that Paul lists here. Not only be open, but number seven, are you ready? Be kind. Be kind. <laughs> when I think of kindness, I always think of Caroline for some reason. I don't know why. Not always with me, I'm talking about with other people. Everyone thinks Caroline's so kind. And uh, I'm, everyone thinks she's kind. But I can just think there's been a couple times where I don't know, there's been incidents or little things that go on, and this is always her phrase, she says, and I, I find control her, just need to be nice. People just need to be nice. Don't you say that? That's what you say, they just need to be kind. And Paul's talking, be kindly, what does it say here? Look at that verse, verse 14. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Regardless of what another throws at us, as we pass through this life, our actions should always be to be nice to them. Parents, let me help you out here for a minute. Okay, I'm stepping, I'm stepping into dangerous ground here. So-and-so is mean to my kid. What should they do about it? Now, of course, 
There comes times if your kid's getting punked and bullied and being beat up, don't just stand there and say, bless you, bless you, bless you. I'm not saying that, okay? You do got to stand up for yourself. But when someone's not being kind to you or calling you a bad name or whatever the case may be, could you be kind? Bless them that persecute you. Say, well, that's not what I want them to do. You can have them do whatever you want. I'm telling you what the Bible says right here. Where's the kindness? When someone is kind to me, I will be kind to them. That's real biblical, isn't it? That's the golden rule to a T, right? I'm good to whoever's good to me. Treat others as you want to be treated, regardless of how they treat you. There's many a folk that have stepped foot through this church that have said some pretty crazy things to me about myself in my office or on the phone. I don't hold it against people. You know what? You need help tonight? Do you remember what you said about me a while back? <laughs> Find someone else. Loser. <laughs> well, you're a pastor. You shouldn't do that. No, that's what a Christian should not do. We are to be kind. And I know that goes against a lot of what we say. Let us never reach the place where we enter into a mud-slinging contest with our fellow believer, or any man for that matter. The command here is to be pleasant and kind to others, regardless of what they may do to us. Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. You know what would help a lot of our problems in our church? If when someone doesn't treat you right, you still treated them right. Does Jesus treat you right when you don't deserve to be treated right? He does. And that's what we're supposed to do. We are to bless them that persecute you. How did Jesus handle the cross? Did he deserve the cross? Did he deserve to die on the cross? Did Judas, should Judas have betrayed him? Should all those people have mocked him? Should all those things have happened? He could have called down a fire. He could have called down all the angels of heaven and killed everybody on the spot if he wanted to. Hey, Father, forgive them. They know no, and they said no. This is on us. Let it be on our children and our children's children. Caesar is our king. This man's not our king. Oh, Father, forgive them. They know not. Next, be compassionate. Verse 15, rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. See, since we're all members of the same body, we should have compassion. When someone else is going through it, we should be going through it with them. When someone else is rejoicing, they get a raise at work, you shouldn't be sitting there. I wanted a raise at work. Why did you get it? Someone gets asked to do a job at church, and you're like, I could do a better job than they could. 
hey, praise God, you get to do that. Rejoice with those that rejoice. Someone gets a new car. I've been driving the same old wreck for years. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Be genuinely happy for others. Weep with them that weep. When someone's going through it, we go through it with them. We're in this thing together. We can't ever lose sight of that. Wow, it's almost 7 o'clock and I'm not even through point number one. We see number one, our actions towards the brother, and we see our this, that the actions are merely ways in which a church can demonstrate Christ-like love like he wants us to. And if we want to glorify God and be a church that brings glory to God and that others look at and see us loving God and glorifying him, these are the actions that need to be displayed by the people of God. Where are we at on time? We're just about there. We're just going to go through letter B and we're going to stop there tonight. Letter B, we see our spiritual actions. So our actions towards the brother, and we started with our social actions as we interact with one another. Now we're going to look at our spiritual actions. Our spiritual actions. And you got to think about this. So our social actions, that's what makes us a pleasure to be around. If we could learn to pick up those social actions that we've mentioned, people would like being around you. You know, like the Bible says, I hear, I hear kids and different people, I have no friends. I always think of one verse. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. The reason why you probably don't have friends is because of how you are change how you act with people and you might get some friends but i like not then don't have any friends that's totally fine be that way be opposite of what god wants you to be but as we look at our social actions that's what makes us a pleasure to live with we think about now our spiritual actions this is what equips us to be able to do the social actions we just looked at. You see, the spiritual comes before the outward comes. The inward must be working before the outward is displayed. Does that make sense? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so if your actions to others are going to be Christ-honoring and Christ-gratifying, it must begin with our spiritual actions, which we look at right now. Are you ready to go through these? And we're going to get through these. Here we go, number one. We see the fact that we need to be holy. Verse number nine says, let love be without dissimulation. Look at the rest of verse number nine. It says, abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. In our personal walk before God, the way we live. To, now, let's focus in right now on ourselves. Not how our husband or wife lives or how our children live, or how a fellow member in church lives. Let's just look at ourselves for a minute. We, in our personal walk before the Lord, we are to hate evil. And we are to be, do you see that word cleave to that which is good? Remember we've looked at that word before, how a husband, uh, he, he cleaves to his wife and they become one flesh. You're glued together. So literally what the Bible says right here is that you are to hate evil. 
and you are to be glued to that which is good. That's talking about the way that we live. Uh, and be holy. And let's be careful how we conduct ourselves. The Lord's desire is that his people are holy people. And the Bible makes that very clear for us. 1 Peter 1.16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And our walk should be different than the way this world's is. We are to abhor that which is evil, cleave, be glued to that which is good. Secondly, as we look at our spiritual actions, secondly, we need to be excited. Be excited. Look at verse number 11. It says, not slothful in business. We mentioned our diligence. We also mentioned this is about not being a pain to be around. But look at what the rest of the verse says. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The word fervent means to be boiling and bubbling. It carries the idea of bubbling water, the sound that it makes when it boils. We are to be excited and bubbling over with what we do for God. I get to go to church today. I get to go to church today! Did any of you do that this morning? Let's not go there. We won't talk about that. Say, Pastor, did you do that this morning? We're not going to talk about that. Remember, we always talk about that. When we're in a real relationship with the Lord... There's excitement when we do the Lord's work. There's excitement when we give to the Lord's work. There's excitement in the things that we do. If your ministry and the way you serve God is dead and you dread it, there is something spiritually wrong with you. Get that tonight. Our spiritual actions should be bubbling. And I... And you say, well, I'm just going to be bubbly every time I... We're not supposed to be faking it either. We're supposed to be honest, right? Yeah, there's, there's a catch there. Be excited. The fact that we get to serve God, the Christian life should never be a dull, boring, dead, lifeless life. After all the Lord has done for us, and the fact that we get to serve Him, there should be excitement. Number three, number three, be faithful. Be faithful. We're not supposed to be slothful in business. Look at what it says there, fervent in spirit, bubbling over them. Look at what the next phrase says, serving the Lord. That's all it says right there, serving the Lord. Be faithful. The word serving means to be in the position of a servant and to act accordingly. We belong to the Lord. We are his servants. We have no business being engaged in any other business than his business and staying faithful to his business. When the Lord looks at our lives, he should find us actively serving him from our own will and from our hearts. Next, we should be happy. We should be happy. The beginning of verse number 12, rejoicing in hope. The believer should be the happiest person on the face of the planet. Your smile as a believer should be the biggest smile on the job. And I know sometimes people say, Pastor, you don't smile anymore. That's just my serious face. 
doesn't mean I'm not happy, but if I'm concentrating or thinking on something, my natural face just doesn't smile. Annette, remember that, okay? She's the one who tells me that all the time. You need to smile. You need to smile. She was a frown on her face, and I'm like, you need to smile. And so I was able to give it right back. But we need to be happy. You know, the happiest place on earth should not be Disneyland. And it's not. I never get more frustrated in all the world than waiting in line for two. And this is with Disneyland. They do this thing. You know, it looks like, oh, the line doesn't look very long. It looks pretty short. And then that line goes like five miles that way and this way, and they have it hidden all over the place, and it really does take forever. And when you leave there, you spent so much money. Your kids are whiny, everything. It is not the happiest place on earth. People claim that it is. And I like going to Disney. I like Disneyland. Some people do. Some people don't. I do like it. Uh, and my kids, I like to take them there some. Just, but do you know where the happiest place on earth should be? This place. The people should be like, what is going on at that church? Why are they so happy? What's that new wine that they got? Oh, didn't they say that in the book of Acts? Wasn't that said? These guys are acting drunk in the middle of the day. They just had the Spirit of God and they were happy. You don't have to be drunk to have a good time. You can be a Christian and have a good time. You can smile. You can be happy, and that's part of the Christian life. You say, well, why should I be happy? Rejoicing in hope. What hope is that? The hope that, man, you are saved today. You've been forgiven. You're heaven bound. Everything's going to be all right. That should bring a smile to your face. Be happy. Next, be hopeful. It says rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. The idea here is to be steadfast under the pressures of life. We are not to allow the things that arise in our life to drive us from the Lord. Life will try to do that. Things happen, things, and it says patient in tribulation, in it. God promises to work all things together for good to them that love God. When you're going through it, that's not the time to stop on God. When things rise in life, and they will, don't let it wedge something between you and God. You keep your focus on Him, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross. The next verse says, For consider him that endured such contradiction, or, or for consider him that endured such contradiction. I can't even, let's go there real quick. We got to look at it. I can't, I was going to give you, that's Brian's version coming out there, and that, that can get you in trouble sometimes. Sometimes Brian's version is right on with the KJV, and sometimes Brian's version is worse than the NIV. So, um, Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. I was close. Lest he be weary and faint in your minds. When you're going through it and you're getting weary and you're about to faint, you are to keep your eyes on him and consider what he did for you. And just I'm just going to keep on going because he kept going for me. And I'm going to keep going because my eyes are on him. Yeah, this is bad. Yes, I'm going to have to deal with it. Yes, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I don't know how this is going to work out. But he's going to take care of me. I'll keep my eyes on him. I'm not going to worry about it. He's got it all under control. 
And then we see, lastly tonight, in our actions towards brethren, we saw our social actions tonight, that we need to be honest, be loving, be humble, be diligent, be helpful, be open, be kind, be compassionate. See, our spiritual actions, we need to be holy, we need to be excited, bubbling and boiling over. Be faithful, be happy, be hopeful, and then be prayerful. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. The idea here is that the saints, God's people, are to be involved in a prayer life that is vibrant and prayer is the lifeline of the believer. And too often it is neglected in our lives. Let us never forget that the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We only got through number one tonight. Save your notes next week. Hopefully we'll get through two and three. Who knows? We'll see what happens. But I encourage you tonight to take what you've heard and your social interaction with one another, pick up on what you can do to change the way you act with your fellow believer. But begin by taking a spiritual inventory where you're at and get the spiritual right first.